0: the light that you have now shone or uh, put upon uh, those who are looking after the purists the fighters mm-hmm. that light will start now shining on them meaning that you know the trainers the handlers and keep this in mind wouldn't it be sensible that if if a person if a fighter fails a drug test then the entire team Should also be banned. Not just the one. He's not doing him. He he can't be doing it to himself. He can't be administering himself. Sure. He has to have handlers. Sure. So if a man is banned, it shouldn't be the boxer. It should be the entire team with the boxer. Okay. Back in the day, I was the poster boy for drug tests. Mm -hmm. Okay. You could have the drug test before or after the fight. I had it before and after every fight because you cannot have anyone... hmm, Could there be anything dodgy going on with him? So I made sure that I was complete. No one can ever, ever put that charge against me because they will and they do. And they have done with Connor. But I say to you that there's something that doesn't uh, feel right about it. Welcome to Connor, you know
1: that he is, and welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where it just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? So now Connor Ben's coming out swinging, and he's doing the media tour. I have no idea who advised him. It seems that these guys at Morgan Sports Law, so probably led by Mike Morgan, are advising him on how to conduct himself in the media. Now, Mike Morgan's challenge is essentially, I don't think he's really swum through boxing Twitter at its meanest, at its finest, at its most hungry for blood. And so I don't know if they've massively misread it or they're gambling. You know, just put everything on the table, double down, go full Kanye West on this. So the key thing that's come out I think since Conor Ben's done his press tour. And there's more to come today, I imagine. There'll be stuff that will come out on TV or whatever. But it's the fact that he tested positive twice. He tested positive two times for clomiphene. And he can keep saying it was trace amounts. It was such a low amount it was consistent with contamination but they're not telling us what the amount was most people who listen to this are right minded enough to go if you took two tests five weeks apart remember this five weeks apart and both came back with clomiphene you were taking clomiphene you are damn well taking Clomiphene because it shouldn't stick around that way. And, and if they talking about trace amounts, let me give you an example of why trace amounts means nothing. Canelo Alvarez tested, the second time he failed his test for Climbuterol was 0.06 nanograms per milliliter, right? The first time he failed, it was 0.6 nanograms per milliliter. So you lost 90% of your potency. And they're talking about a trace amount at that point. So if you work backwards from 0.006 on a, I don't even know what the half-life of compute roll is, maybe three days. So three days prior, it increases tenfold. Even if you say, right, let's go, let's go back another three days, you might be up to, six milligrams or micrograms, I can't remember which one it was, but you might be up to six milligrams per milliliter. And then another three days beyond that, it might be 60. But obviously it's not that linear. But what I am saying is trace amounts can become meaningful amounts in a matter of days. And when your whole operation is essentially set up to evade testers and to not generate a positive result, those days are important that's your margin for error you normally don't want to leave things to the last minute because your body may respond differently now we're going to come on to the failed test in a minute but here's the most likely thing we're going to hear come out of the scientific analysis it's going to be one this was a trace amount it was a small amount that could have been in eggs and then they'll tell you that farmers regularly give their chickens clomiphene to produce more eggs. And so that clomiphene can stay in the eggs and can stay in the flesh. There's scientific analysis for that. But just for context, they were giving these chickens, these hens. And you go to Tesco, but how much does a chicken really weigh? Two kilos, two and a half, three kilos tops? And they are giving these things 10 milligrams. To produce trace findings. Right? If you've got a whole battery of chickens producing eggs. Administering 10 milligrams of clomiphene a day is a very expensive enterprise. Do you know what I mean? Even if you're getting the clomiphene in. At. I don't even know. Let's just say 10p, 10p for, for 10 milligrams. So 1p a milligram. Let's just say you're doing it at that amount. By the time you finish looking after your chickens every day, it, it's uneconomic. It's uneconomic to run your operation in this country. Added to the fact that it's actually illegal to give your chickens clomiphene. So you're essentially saying that supermarkets aren't verifying this and validating this. So yes, there's scientific evidence that says clomiphene can be transmitted through chicken meat most likely to be like the thigh meat not the breast meat but connor would have to go through a whole process of one where did you get these eggs from where did you get the chicken from i don't know is not an acceptable answer when you've got a nutritionist so there has to be an audit trail you then have to go to that farmer and say to the farmer do you give your chickens clomiphene and the farmer will say no i don't He's not going to go yeah <laughs> i illegally give my chickens clomiphene so the farmer's going to say no Once again, there's no robust evidence. It's all conjecture that they're throwing back. And you can spend as much money as you want. They're saying they spent over 100 grand on science. It would have been cheaper to cop the ban. Your reputation and career are in tatters. But they're not in tatters because you failed a drug test. They're in tatters because these two failed tests confirm everything that most boxing fans suspected. You are going to be fed to the public as some sort of hero. A manufactured hero. Like Roman Reigns in the WWE. You are forced on the public to be their hero. You didn't earn it. Never fought for a British title. Never fought for a Commonwealth title. Haven't fought a recognized British name yet. And here you are, jumping all up and down this ladder to fight Chris Eubank and to have him at ridiculous weights. And seemingly... 157 wasn't Connor Ben's suggestion. His defence is I just signed a contract. So whose suggestion was it that they fight at 157? Who was trying to sabotage Eubank Jr. if Connor was willing to fight him at 160 at whatever weight? Who was it who was trying to sabotage Eubank? That's the question. So if we come back to the fact that two tests have failed, right? One on the 25th of July, one on the 1st of September. You have clomiphene in your system. If if both instances indicate trace amounts, and that indicates that you're just at that plateau level, and VADA just got very slick at finding clomiphene, which isn't unusual for VADA to do. I know at this point people say, yeah, but John Jones tested positive for clomiphene and, you know, he went to arbitration. I think his ban was reduced from two years to one year, right? But look at the process they went through to clear John Jones's name. They had to take the, what do you call them, dick pills. So I think they were penis enlargement tablets or Viagra, I don't know what they were, or uh, Cialis, it was something like that. And he... He had to send the exact batch that he had to USADA for testing. Then USADA went and bought directly from the manufacturer their own batch to test. And both came back with traces of clomiphene and letrozole as well. Is that what Conor Ben's going to tell us, that he was taking Viagra? At 26 years old, he was taking Viagra. Why would you be taking Viagra? the stress of being a ben meant that you couldn't get it up i don't know right but it looks like that's the avenue they're going to try and go down Uh, so they're going to try and get all of these supplements that they can get them tested and so he may say i unknowingly took whatever it is he's meant to have taken clomiphene i unknowingly took it because the john jones tablets were clearly spiked right but you're connor ben you you should have access to the best supplementation, wider approved and accredited supplementation, from brands that are wider approved. Why weren't you using those? Especially when you're enrolled in an anti-doping program, why weren't you using those? So whatever his defense is, the fact is that stuff was in there. Intentionally or not, the rules don't govern that. And I wish the anti-doping authorities would stick to their principle of you are responsible for what goes into your body That's the that's long and short of what will happen now They'll just be trying to show that whatever it is they're going to tell us Connor took eggs, Viagra, Cialis Whatever it is was contaminated with clomiphene And all they're doing now is running around Trying to find something that corroborates this story There's no real science involved in this It is just ass covering Now and I'll be honest, I'm I'm kind of tired of this. I don't want to say another word about this, and I'm tired of people asking me about this as well. To be honest, because it's it's dirty, it's murky, and it's sordid. I can tell you what I know. So I've known about the fact that there've been two tests for a while, and it's not about bragging. oh, I'm in the know. But I've known about the two tests for a while. Stuff gets out in this game, yeah. What I didn't realize was they kept the first one brushed under the carpet. The board didn't know. They w- the board were not notified on the 1st of September. Um, or No, it wasn't. It was the end of August when the first positive test was notified, right? The board weren't told. The board were kept in the dark. They weren't told until the second one came through. So, yes, we criticize the board, but the board must be seething at this point, going, well, hold on. What do you mean he fell twice? And we're finding out now. And the, I'm sure Hearn hid behind the legalese of, well, this the reporting authority, we don't have to tell you. You don't have a relationship with them, right? That's probably what they did. And that was probably communicated via lawyers. So the board was like, what can we do? You know, we don't want this fight to go ahead, but what do we do? Did they leak it out to friendly voices? Don't know. But... He failed the first one and they were like, oh my God, we need to do something here, right? So after they failed the first one, they bring in Dr. Uz. So everyone needs to now, whoever was taking shots at Dr. Uz, and I've had to hold my hands up and say, you know, I jumped the gun on that one. They brought in Dr. Uz to clean up the operation, Yes, you can say what you want about his ethics and whatnot, but Dr. Uz was brought in to clean up the operation. He wasn't brought in about any of this. He didn't have a chance to, because you remember that other test was taken on the 1st of September. So the damage is already done. Dr. Uz's job was to make sure that from that point forward, because remember, they, they assumed the fight was going to happen from that point forward. Connor would never fail another test. That's what Dr. Oz was brought in. He wasn't brought in for the Eubank fight per se. He was brought in for the career. Post Eubank, we're going to need you. So Dr. Oz is no part of this one. He shouldn't even be in front of the board for this one. But we should be asking questions of why he was in the camp. Because he could only have been in the camp to make sure that there's no disaster like this. So so most people in sport have known about the the second failure. A, A lot of people didn't. And that's why you saw a lot of guys jump the gun. And a lot of people who are close to Eddie are upset because now they're like, what do you mean he failed twice? It's hard to be innocent if you fail twice, five weeks apart. So everyone's known about this. And that's why Nigel Ben said, we've known about this for months. He may have tried to come on social media and say it's only three weeks. He's known about this for a while. They've all known about this because that's how VADA works. And because there are no clear rules about what you can do with or without VADA, they ignored the first one, which they have every right to do, by the way. But they couldn't ignore the second one because now it's like two failed tests. At some point, the truth is going to come out. And Matthew McConaughey would have been toast. Yet they still suppressed it. They told the board, they said, look, the fight can go ahead, we can all make a bucket load of money. And from what I hear, the board were like, we're not comfortable with this. But if you can control all the outlets to make sure it doesn't come out, fantastic. But we're not comfortable with this going ahead. We also don't want to sue anyone, and we don't want to get into a protracted legal discussion because it's VADA. But we don't we're not comfortable. And if you had come back with well, something, we're stopping this fight. And I'm sure it was like, alright, cool, no problem. And then it was leaked. And at that point, the board was like, Yeah, we can stop this fight now. Finally. Because the board were upset that the first test wasn't notified to them, because they would have acted then. They could have had the investigation then. And then the fight may have happened. But when you keep stuff from the board, you pay a heavy price. And Eddie's paying a heavy price for that. But let's start broadening this out. They try to keep the fans in the dark about two failed tests. Two. That's the same number as Dillian. That's the same number as Jerrell Miller. Two failed tests. Remember what Eddie Hearn said about Jerrell Miller? Maybe he just doesn't believe in himself enough. Maybe he needs to take all of those things to believe he can win. Maybe he needs to cheat to feel confident that he can win. And he's like, look, I'm never going to work with him again. He was adamant. But he treats Conor Ben like his son. He treats Conor Ben like his son, his child. I don't even know despite the fact that this guy failed two tests, five weeks apart, five weeks apart. When that, when you do that, the stuff is in you and it came from somewhere. We all know where it came from. You now, if you, if you can, if you can add one and one and make two, you can conclude logically that he has to have ingested it. Why did he ingest it as a PD? Probably not to restart his sister after PD cycle. Probably And as I keep saying, I'm less concerned about the athlete because athletes are going to do what athletes do. Now, does that make it right? No, but it's what athletes do. We love a freak show and athletes don't mind turning themselves into freaks to do it. What we're less comfortable with is the behavior of Hearn, his behavior of Sourland, and maybe to an extent the behavior of Eubank because he was only thinking about himself and not the sport. Because he would have known about the first failure way back whenever it came through. He would have known about that. He would have known about the second failure and he still wanted the fight to go through. You know, Boxers' greed knows no bounds and I understand that they have a short career, 100%. But we were looking at a horrible scenario. We were looking at something incredibly risky happening that night. Let's be grateful that didn't happen but let's also try and move on from this because think about what's happened We had Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. For me, the best fighting the best. We had Alicia Baumgardner fighting Michaela Mayer. Not quite the best fighting, not quite the best, but a high standard regardless. And we never talked about that. We never got a chance to wallow in that glory because this sordid saga is still going on and we need to draw a line under it. We also need to start holding the media to account because the media have known for a while that there have been two failed tests. And not one person said, Eddie, are you sure there's only one failed test? There's enough information going around from credible sources for someone to have asked that question. I don't even think Simon Jordan would have asked that question. Someone should have been asking these questions. We've had to wait this long to find out what we already knew. Now Ben's telling us he's, not, he's never going to fight under the auspices of the British Boxing Border Control. He will never be licensed by them. What does that even mean does that mean that the board will just say right he ain't boxing on on he's not boxing on these shores okay send him to the middle east where he can do whatever he wants over the counter send him out there send him to australia where they have a culture of you know cooking with hot sauce do that but the board have to make a firm stand on this and they have to say no we're not going to have that you can't fail two drugs tests and then only tell us after the second one like this is unacceptable, but it's also on the board. Where are the anti-doping rules for the board? You know, now that they're certified as a UCAT-approved organization, where are the rules? Where are the rules that say, if you fail a test, this is what happens. You know, we recognize VADA. That's what the board just needs to say now. We recognize VADA. But here's a deeper question. VADA found clomiphene twice. And it seems that every UCAT test before, during and after these two came back negative. How are UCAT getting it so wrong? Why are UCAT getting it so wrong? Why isn't Eddie Hearn saying that? Why are we not praising VADA for being the gold standard in anti-doping? Why are we not doing that? Why are we not going, Jesus, man, Victor Conte, thank you for VADA because we are catching these people. Instead, we're now going, well, you know, it wasn't done via UCAD, so it's not important. But when it was Jarrell Miller, it was like, yo, yeah, VADA caught this. This is why we have VADA. Remember, banging the drum in boxing, that's what happened, right? That's what everyone said. When VADA catches someone, we, we've always been banging the drum going, fantastic, well done. Until it's one of one of the cash cows. Now it's like, well, who listens to VADA anyway? How are UCAD so incompetent? That's the word I'd use. How are you so incompetent? You can't catch clomiphene. When are we going to get the head of UCAD in public to answer these questions? Because that's what we want to know. How have UCAD missed this and VADA have got this? Can we get Dr. Margaret Goodman and whoever's in charge at UCAD around the table and say, How are these test results different? What are you testing for, UCAD? Because it's not just boxing. Who else, what other sports are people getting through these loopholes? Because look, guys like Dr. Uz are growing in number. There are guys in this country, there are guys in the States who will give you protocols and ways of working that will ensure you don't fail a test. That's why Dr. As said, you've got to be really stupid to fail a test. Because you broadly know when they're going to come for you. And you just plan accordingly. So that's what we've got to start asking ourselves. Like, Look how rotten this sport is. If, if, this was, if this was Parliament, there'd be a massive inquiry into this. And people would have to get fired. People have to get fired as a result of this. Because... You've got the board just, just constantly on the back foot because Hearn keeps talking, and at some point they're gonna to have to tell Eddie to stop talking. You've got Hearn just saying everything and nothing at the same time. You've got Frank Warren on the side just going, oh, this is brilliant. Like, I can just stick it to them in a way I've never been able to. So Frank's loving this, where he can be the, the voice of reason. He can sit on that moral high ground for a change. And then you've got Conor Ben. Seemingly unable to read the mood at this time. And the mood is, we want competitive fights, number one. Number two, we don't believe your career so far. Algeri, Van Heerden, we don't believe all of that stuff. Think about those guys now who are now going, oh, I fought a dirty guy. What would have happened if you were clean? If I'm Van Heerden, I'm now looking at legal action. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at legal action, going, well... How do we know he was clean when he fought me? Same with Algieri. Same with most of these guys I'd be looking at. Now I don't know if Eubank Jr. can sue us. I don't know if he has recourse to say, well, you cost me some money through your negligence. But for Conor Ben to come out defiant and saying, oh, I'm going to clear my name. The apology has to be as loud as the accusation. Oh, stop. We had to sit through. The heated seats in the Rolls Royce. We had to sit through the, I'm crushing it in the gym. I'm crushing it on the sprints. I'm crushing it this. We had to sit through all of this. We've lived through the tattoos, the, the crafting of a hard man persona, which is essentially fake for a kid who went to private school and was raised in the church. Connor Ben's not a bad man. He's a kid who can fight. He's a kid who loves to fight. He's not a bad man. If I'm Zach Parker now, I'm looking at John Ryder going, can you test this guy, please? That's what I'm saying immediately. Can you test? Can you test John Ryder? That's what I'm saying if I'm Zach. Because I have grave concerns. If I if all these guys, Felix Cash, all of them, you cash should be saying you're going to be tested every month randomly. That Sims gym needs to be under observation now because. Things haven't rung true for a while. Do you remember when when, we did it on the New Age and we're talking about how the Sims gym had gone from being Eddie's go-to machine for competitive fights to Eddie not even talking to Tony. Sims fighters were getting no love at one point from Eddie because they kept losing. Now, all of a sudden... These guys are punching machines, Cordinas icing people in a way he's never done before. John Ryder's had this, this Indian summer to his career. You know, we've seen all of these guys looking in ridiculous shape until it comes down to, you know, asking these questions. How are you in that shape? I don't know Tony Sims as a person, but everyone tells me Tony Sims is old school. And old school means that nothing happens in his camp that he doesn't know about. You have no one around you that he doesn't know about. That's how Tony works. So people got to ask Tony, what did you know? Be a brave man to do it. But someone's got to say, what does Tony know? Because we can't keep saying this thing of, oh, we can't, we can't talk to certain people because they're gangsters. In the boxing context, why can't you? You're a civilian. They're not going to go at you if you're a civilian. Just ask the question and say, guys, what's happening here? What is really happening here? I just... Maybe it's because I've been close to this doping thing for so long. Like, I'm almost jaded. I'm, I'm always surprised you guys are surprised. But I'm more disappointed at the same time. I just want... Now I want this to all stop, right? We're not going to see Conor Ben. In a ring, I don't think, at least until Easter. I don't think we'll see him in a British ring until this time next year, if ever. And I think that's good for the sport. I think it's a tragedy for Conor Ben because I think if he had just copped to it, he'd have been banned up until the end of the year and he'd have been all good. But this is what happens when ego and hubris get in the way. And lawyers say we can make a lot of money of this naive kid. And that's what Mike Morgan will do. He'll make a truckload of cash. He'll have a strong Q4 because of Conor Ben, and he's happy. And what this does is it cements Mike Morgan's reputation as a doping lawyer. So that's where everyone's going to go. And maybe he needs to jump on at some point and go, well, why do you encourage people to do this when you know that they're cheating? And yes, what Conor Ben did is cheating because you're not supposed to have that in your system. Fact. You just not. That's 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 the rule. Strict liability. So all you can ever do is show that it it was contaminated externally, or you say yeah we did it, but we don't think the ban is reasonable. But was Liam Cameron's ban reasonable? Probably not. Was it just? Hell no. Something that's come out of this that I find interesting, and no one's really touched on it, is when Conor Ben said this has been unjust and unfair because other people have failed tests and been allowed to fight. We need names and instances where this has been allowed. Because it suggests that there are people who have failed VADA tests that have been allowed to fight. We know the the Dillian one's obvious. He could have mentioned the Dillian situation, right? Easily could have mentioned that because it's in the public domain. Why did he not mention names? Who else has been allowed to fight after failing a VADA test? Because remember, they didn't let Jerrell Miller fight after fight failing a VADA test. Yeah? And if I remember the timeline of that correctly, Varda notified the New York State Athletic Commission, who then said, nah, we ain't going to let him fight. Who knows if Eddie wanted him to carry on the fight? Who knows if Joshua would have still taken the fight? I don't know but if there have been people in British rings who have been boxing while they were under a failed test from VADA. Wow. That's what i say is wow. I can understand why Connor would feel aggrieved if the board generally let these things slide in the interests of money. So I don't know. i This is, a, this is an absolute embarrassment for boxing. I don't know if this will come up before Simon Jordan or after Simon Jordan. It'll be interesting to see what he says. But this is an absolute embarrassment for the sport. You don't go from Shields Martian, the success that was, and all the great things that that fight did, to then this cesspit. And let's come back to this question. Why is it always Eddie Hearn at the heart of this stuff? We need to stop pretending that he's not an active part of this process because he always seems to be involved when there's scandal. He always seems to be involved where there's chicanery. Why? You know, he has his pals around him like Coogan who will never ask questions, right? Never. You know what I mean? Coogan's probably there giving Eddie a hug now and a kiss on his cheek going, look, you, you, you'll be back to your old magic soon. I don't think he will. Eddie's, what, nearly 44. He looks haggard. He, he looks like the sad old man who still hangs around in the nightclub trying to pull on 20-year-old girls like he's still got it. That's what he looks like now. You know, the clothes look off. He just looks old and not the old Eddie, is he? You know, the, the, the Turkish toupees thinning again. He's just probably having a rough time of life at the moment. That's up to him. But he's, he, he, it feels to me like he's at the heart of all of this. He's the string puller. Nothing happens on his platform without him knowing. Same with Tony Sims. They all know. But we're going to find out. Between now and the end of the year, we're going to get absolute clarity on this. Let's just hope the board have lawyered up sufficiently that they're not going to be bullied into a decision that doesn't work for the sport. Because if they are, then they may as well just give up and we all just start again. But, yeah, this has been a sorry saga you know, Connor hasn't moved anything forward. Instead, we have more uncomfortable questions. And hopefully he'll put himself in a situation where those uncomfortable questions get to be asked. Because if they don't, the fans will not give him closure. Because the fans are smelling blood now. And if Connor doesn't, I mean, if he doesn't relent and accept that he's got to give in to the will of the fans, I don't think he rebuilds his reputation.